Good morning. I hope you slept well. This morning we'll be starting the uh, practice of metta, loving kindness, uh, following on from uh, Sharon's talk last night in which she introduced uh, the practice itself and uh, the, 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 the landscape of metta, where she talked about the, the cultivation of the ground, metta as bhavana, as the cultivation of a, the ground on which we um, notice our change of uh, intention and motivation and our relationship to experience that we come to experience with uh, kindness and openness and a sense of friendliness. And the practice itself is a way of uh, cultivating this heart of kindness, this heart that's open and friendly to whatever is arising in our experience and then pervades the world uh, with kindness. So pervades our relationship to ourselves, our relationship to our experience, our relationship to all beings with whom, as she said last night, she reminded us, uh, we are inexorably interconnected. So this morning, we're going to start uh, the actual practice, the actual bhavana, the actual uh, cultivation. There's a, there's a, 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 um, a text called the uh, Path of Purification that essentially um, sets out a way of this cultivation. And it essentially uh, suggests that the way of cultivating this heart of kindness is by uh, moving through our relationships, our relationship to ourselves, our relationship to people who have been extremely good to us, who have helped us in our lives, who've inspired us, who inspire respect and, and uh, love, and moving through that to people who are dear friends, people who uh, we see in our lives who are not necessarily um, close or dear, but are also not hostile or um, uh, difficult, but perhaps we have a, a relationship of indifference to and moving into people that are difficult. And so the, the, the uh, sequence or the unfolding of the practice is to start with what theoretically is the easiest relationship in which we can begin to uh, produce and cultivate this quality of kindness, which is the relationship with ourselves, and then people who, are, who inspire that kind of um, quality in us so that 
it becomes so familiar and so easy to produce that as we think about people that we are indifferent to or people that um, may, it may feel as if they are hostile or we are hostile towards them, the, 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 uh, the feeling of loving kindness, the quality of loving kindness becomes um, more pervasive in our way of uh, relating. And so the, it's, a, it's a developmental and progressive kind of practice. Now, uh, in our Western culture, uh, there's, a, there's an issue sometimes of self-love. And so for some of us, it may be more difficult to, uh, to produce or to cultivate a feeling of love towards ourselves. And so this morning, we're going to start with that uh, the practice of cultivating loving kindness towards ourselves and then to a, towards a bene- what we call a benefactor. But uh, we'll suggest that if you feel as if it's easier to, uh, to work with a benefactor before you start working with yourself, that you can also do that. But we will start with the Uh, the cultivation of loving kindness towards ourselves and see how it goes for you, see what comes up. What may be coming up is uh, some difficulty. Uh, As Sharon was saying last night, uh, sometimes when we we do this practice, it feels as if we should be producing particular states of mind or particular states of heart. And we may be dismayed to see that when we try to do it, that uh, the very opposite comes up. Perhaps anger or uh, embarrassment or fear or uh, loathing or um, judgment, self-judgment. This doesn't mean that you're failing because the practice is not really for the purpose of producing any kind of uh, particular state of mind, but really to soften the heart, to cultivate the quality. And just like in the practice of mindfulness and any other practice, uh, spiritual or otherwise, as we know, we start out not very skilled, perhaps. And as, as we uh, stay with some patience and determination, then things begin to open. And it may, it may be quick, it may be slow, it may be medium. Uh, it's not our task to judge how we're doing or whether or not the practice is working, but to enter it with some faith that this is a practice that has been done for um, thousands of years and has had tremendous benefit uh, over, over time so that uh, we can have some... Uh, trust that if we continue to do it, if we continue to stay with it with some patience, that uh, it will will open. And in fact, in the text, uh, it says that uh, the quality that we are really working towards is this quality of patience. So as we exercise the patience, we're also... um, uh, cultivating it. We're cultivating a way of uh, patience, not only with the practice, but patience in our hearts that will apply in all of our lives. So um, 
we'll we'll talk about uh, the practice not only in sitting but in walking, and we'll do that afterwards. <coughs> but why don't we start? Uh, why don't we start to uh, practice right now? So the what the way the Buddha suggests that we start is to sit comfortably. So if you need to adjust your posture so that you feel uh, as comfortable as possible while being still alert, erect, and dignified and noble. Relax physically and relax emotionally. Not anticipating anything, not dreading anything, but just being upright both physically and mentally. So we're, as I said, we're not trying to make any kind of uh, feeling happen or any kind of state of mind arise, but just getting uh, more in touch with what uh, is your natural state. If you want, you can close your eyes. If you want to keep your eyes open, that's fine. As we said yesterday, just let the, let, if you're having your eyes open, just have a soft gaze that looks down, is not looking around. And of course, if you begin to feel sluggish or sleepy, it's fine to open your eyes. And it's helpful to start by reflecting on something good that we've done in our lives. It doesn't have to be some huge deed, even a small kindness, so that we begin to get in touch with that quality of goodness that is within each of us. And if nothing in particular comes up, just reflect on the good qualities that you have, or maybe one quality of goodness. And doesn't, it's not a question of pride or ego, but really a way of um, being joyous, celebrating, the potential for goodness that each of us has. And the way we do the practice is by silently offering phrases of um, wishes for the uh, well-being of ourselves, we start. And it's not a kind of um, specific wish, you know, may I get this job or may I get this thing or state, but really opening it up and making it large enough as a kind of container. And the phrases that are suggested or the wishes that are suggested, it's like a gift that we give to ourselves what we would wish for everyone, not just for ourselves, but 
For now we're pointing it towards ourselves. And they're traditional phrases, wishing for our own safety. May I live in safety and be safe. Wishes for our mental well-being or happiness. May I be happy and peaceful. May my heart be filled with joy. Wishing for our physical happiness. May I be healthy, body. May I have well-being of body. And may I live with ease so that the wish is that uh, our daily life, our diurnal life is um, not full of struggle, but goes easily and smoothly. Relationships work, relationships with our families. And you can use, I'm going to use phrases, I'm going to give you the phrases But you can, of course, use phrases that might be worded more um, so that they're more meaningful to you personally. So there are four phrases. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be safe. May I live in safety. May I have mental happiness, living in peace and joy. And may I have physical happiness. May I be healthy. And may I live with ease. May I be safe. May I be happy and peaceful. May I be healthy of body. And may I live with ease. So with each, don't rush yourself. Find a rhythm that works for you well, that has some space and some openness. And with each phrase, Work with each phrase one at a time, not falling forward into the next phrase, but really being with the one phrase that you're on right now. May I be safe. Perhaps you can even uh, feel what it might feel like to feel safe. May I be happy and peaceful. What would it be like to feel happy, joyous of heart? May I be healthy and strong of body. May I live with ease. And as you say the phrases silently, Concentrate on one phrase at a time. Be fully with that phrase and then allow it to release 
and move on to the next phrase. might be helpful as you're sending the phrases to yourself to really get a picture of yourself and sometimes it's helpful if you can't have a picture of yourself as you are today to perhaps have a picture of yourself as a child perhaps at a time in your life when you were happiest maybe that's now maybe that's a few years ago or maybe that's when you were a really small child whatever helps to uh, open the heart. The Buddha said that you can uh, search the entire world and never find anyone more deserving of your love than you yourself. Whatever emotions or feelings arise as you are directing the phrases towards yourself, let them come and pass as if they are just passing through you, as if you are a clear channel. So it may be joy, it may be sorrow, maybe disappointment, embarrassment, <coughs> love, the opposite of love, whatever it is. Notice it, let it come, and let it go.
So as I said today, we'll be uh, addressing the phrases to ourselves and to what is called the benefactor in the classical texts. This is someone who has uh, inspired love and endearment in you, has been good to you, has the qualities that inspire respect and reverence, endearment. And so we develop loving kindness towards the benefactor. So we choose someone in our lives. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you've met or known. It could be someone that uh, you really deeply admire and respect who has, um, even though you've not met them, has offered you deep gifts. I sometimes use His Holiness the Dalai Lama, for instance. But it can also be someone that has taken a personal interest in you over your lifetime. So let that person come to mind. See if you can get a really clear picture of that person. If it's helpful, you can symbolically place him or her on your heart. And keep the picture of this person really steady. And send the wishes, address the phrases to your benefactor. You can say their name so that they become really uh, present. See their face or feel their presence as you wish. May you be safe. Live in safety. May you have mental happiness. Live in joy and peace. May you have physical happiness. May you be healthy and strong. May you live with ease free from struggle. Keeping the phrases at an easy pace, spacious, open, wide. And just as in the mindfulness practice, when you find your mind wandering, uh, 
as we said yesterday, this is the key moment of meditation when you can practice letting go and beginning again.
Sometimes it can feel as if the phrases are becoming rote, that the pace is quickening, that it's not, that you don't have as much space as you started out with. I can just read to you um, from this path of purification, the suggestion from the text that you can dwell with your heart endued with loving kindness, pervading all the directions in the world, all eight directions, north, south, east, west, and the ones in between and above and below. Everywhere equally dwell pervading the entire world with your heart imbued with loving kindness, abundant, exalted, measureless, free from enmity, and free from affliction. So when it feels as if the phrases are becoming rote and you're losing touch with the wishes, you can stop and just allow your heart to radiate out this quality of kindness and friendliness. And then begin again.
Are there any questions about the practice? Yes, please. Yes. If it's stronger than the breath, in terms of turning to the pain in the body, how do you integrate that with the metaphor? So it's the same thing. Uh, the the repetition of the phrases is a concentration practice, just like the. So instead of the the breath being the object, the phrases now become the object, right? So in the same way, if you're working with um, the phrases and some really strong emotion or physical sensation arises and pulls the, the attention, then you know, it, it, it will be very difficult to continue to say the phrases while some really strong uh, emotion or or sensation is, is demanding your attention. So it's at, at that point, it may be wise. If, if it's not strong or not really uh, becoming predominant in your experience, then you can leave it in the background. But if it becomes so predominant in your experience that you need to pay attention to it, then you quite intentionally let go of the phrases and pay attention to that and notice what's happening in the body and uh, respond as appropriately as, appropriately as needed. And then when that subsides and it's no longer pulling your attention, you bring the attention back to the phrases. You begin again. Yes. Yeah, so the question is, um, when, you, when you come to one of your, your, your person, uh, do you stay at 30,000 feet, I think is what you said, and just stay at the level of the phrase, may you be healthy, or do you come to the story? Well, you know, the mind is um, sometimes not really our servant, it becomes our master, right? And sort of insists on telling the story. Again, it's, it's like the practice of mindfulness. You notice that the story is there. But actually, what, you know, again, and if it's, if it's really predominant, you want to notice that there's thinking that the mind has been pulled away from the phrases. Notice that. Notice that there's a story in the mind. Uh, notice, you know, and, and if the content of the story about the arthritis and the fingers and all of that is is pulling, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to get totally involved with it, but notice that it's there. Notice that it's thinking. Again, pervade the, the, the mind and the body with kindness and friendliness towards it and let it go and return to the, return to the wishes. So it's, you know, you're not jerking yourself away from what is naturally happening. 
but you're also not being pulled down into all of the stories and, and comments that the mind wants to uh, become involved with, right? Because you're, now you're practicing. unusual experience which I don't know if it's off or, or, or not but I started out with one person but then it kind of fused to other people you said the Dalai Lama and then I thought of some other people in my life and then I let go of the people and you know the Da Vinci the man I felt this incredible power and love radiating from my heart, and it was a very brilliant light. And that's, that's sort of how it finished for me, just this incredible, intense, bright, bright, bright light that was warm and beautiful. And then what happened? So, so I think what you said is that you were you were in, you were um, auditioning different people for your benefactor. Is that what you were doing? And then they fused and became like the Da Vinci. Yeah. Beautiful. And then it became a beautiful white light in in your heart. And then I told you to stop. Um, yeah, that happens, doesn't it? So, so the first part of the question, I, th- I, I think there's an implied question in there, um, is about the choosing your benefactor, right? And that can happen as you start auditioning and interviewing, right? And that's perfectly fine. And perhaps even over the week, the same person won't be your benefactor. Maybe things will, will change or someone else will come into view. Again, it, you don't have to force anything or make anything happen, but see what, see what comes into your heart. So you audition somebody and you say, nah, right? You know, or, and, or, I say, uh, I no, 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 I understand. I'm metamorphosed. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then things will happen, right? So whatever happens naturally, it's, it's a beautiful experience that you had of that feeling of light and, and luminosity. And that can happen, and that's, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, it's not a problem that you didn't, you know, it's, it's not as, as if then you have to run back and say, well, you know, let me do the phrases. What's happening, what's arising is arising. And so you can dwell in that for a while, and that will come and that will go. So you don't have to try to hold on to it or make it happen again. That will, that's sometimes what happens is we have a really wonderful sit and we have a lovely experience and it's fine and it's wonderful and it comes and it goes. And so um, to, to then just let it go as it goes and see what happens next, right? And you can come back. If it goes, you come back. If it doesn't go in that sitting, you can dwell in that for as long as you want to dwell in that. And then when it ends, you come back to saying the phrases again. Yes? Um, I think you started saying that we start with ourselves because it's the easiest 
I, I find it really difficult. I get, um, when I'm practicing meta on myself, it's, you know, I tend to space out, just spin off into something else. Um, and I kind of know it's the sweet spot in a way. So it's, is there any instruction to sort of just stay, I mean, I come back to the breath and it becomes rote in a way. I, I do it and I just sometimes just find it really hard to connect and stay. Um, I know you said to move on to the benefactor, excuse me, which I do. And how, and how is it with the benefactor? You know, I can soften and, um, but, and I'll, then I'll try to come back to myself. Mm -hmm. And I can, I just feel a little, I can disconnect. Mm -hmm. So the question is about um, sending metta to yourself, that, you've, that your experience is that sometimes when, you, um, when you're doing metta for yourself, you, you, you can spin out and disconnect. And with the benefactor, you can be present. And so what to do, right? So you may want to start with the benefactor and see how it goes, right? And allow the say the phrases and do the practice for the benefactor. And then when you feel as if the heart is settled and the mind is settled and the body feels comfortable, then you can tiptoe back into um, doing the phrases for yourself and see how that is. And again, we're not trying to make anything happen. We're, in, in a way, we're, uh, we're allowing what needs to arise and arrive to arise and arrive. So when, so we begin to see what our relationship is to ourselves too. That's very valuable information. And so we're cultivating the heart. However, uh, the heart needs to be cultivated. Your particular heart needs to be cultivated. You know well. And so um, it's not as if anything wrong is happening when you're feeling disconnected. Notice what that feeling of disconnection is like. And you can have some friendliness towards that disconnection rather than aversion towards it, right? Because our, our tendency is to think, oh God, you know, I'm disconnected. I, this is not working. I can't do this. But can you notice, oh, this is the feeling of disconnection. What's it like to feel disconnected? You know, notice the stories in the mind or the spinning out in the mind or how, you know, if the body feels some discomfort, where it feels discomfort. And then have some uh, sense of metta towards that. Have a, radiate a feeling of kindness towards this feeling of disconnection. So that we're, 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 we're not only doing the phrases, but we're actually knowing that this cultivation is a cultivation of friendliness towards all experience whatever it is. So you can, so the disconnection can be just a, another part of your, uh, another object of your, um, your cultivation. And if, it, and if it feels as if it's much easier, especially in these beginning days, to send uh, metta and these wishes to your benefactor first, then please feel free to do that, right? And then tiptoe back into, into self. I think we have to stop now because we have a few things to um, 
you can ask me later because we need to do some other things. Um, so a couple of things. One is with the walking, with the walking uh, meditation, uh, you can continue the metta practice with the walking meditation. And uh, one way that I do that um, myself is I coordinate the phrases with every step. So with each step, I do a wish. So I uh, uh, lift my foot, move it, and place it, and I say, uh, may I be safe. And then I lift, move, place, may I have mental happiness. Lift, move, place, may I have physical happiness. Lift, move, place, may I have, may I live with ease. Uh, you'll find your own rhythm. You'll find a way of working with it so that it's easy and it doesn't feel jerky, but it feels smooth and flowing. And uh, I was talking to Sharon about it yesterday and about her walking practice, and what she suggests is um, that as people or objects come into view, whether it's seeing or hearing or feeling, uh, birds or people that as they, as they come into your experience you can um, let go of the wish for yourself or for your benefactor and send the, send the wishes to this person or being. So you hear the beautiful sound of a bird, send metta to them. Or a, another yogi comes shuffling into the room, you hear them send metta to them, so that, so that your practice becomes, as, as it's said in the text, all-pervading. And as you, as you walk, um, just see how you can find the rhythm to say the phrases as you're, as you're walking. You'll find your way. Uh, this morning, we start um, check-ins with you. Uh, we have a, we, Sharon likes to talk about language. We have a language issue. We've been traditionally talk, calling them interviews, but um, we're trying to change the culture so that it's not interviews because we know all of the associations with interviews, right? You know, job interviews and college interviews and, you know, where there's definitely a chance of rejection, right? <laughs> um, so we're trying to change that language and I like to call them checking or meetings. I don't know what my colleagues will call them, but I uh, suppose they'll find their own language. Uh, and it, because they're essentially for the purpose of seeing, of, of meeting you all individually and, and in groups, uh, in smaller groups, so that we can get a sense of what's happening with you and see if there's a way of supporting you. Also, these uh, group meetings are helpful because sometimes we think that we're the only ones who are having certain uh, experiences and it's helpful to hear other people's experiences and, and to, um, to, to not feel so isolated or alone, but to, to hear that we have so much commonality with uh, the experiences of our fellow practitioners. So this morning, uh, there'll be notices on the board 
of who's of of who you'll be seeing and in what room Mark's room is. If you looked before, uh, just remind yourself it's a different. He's changed the uh, the the venue, the location to room two hundred. So um, so if you have a, a, a meeting with Mark, that's where it will be. If you haven't, if your name is not on the board today, it's okay because we're having uh, group meetings today and tomorrow. And then the following three days we'll be having, every one of you will see one of us individually. So you'll have both a, a group meeting and um, an individual meeting. Any questions about any of that? Any questions about the walking? Okay, so have a great day and uh, pervade all directions with your loving kindness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.